Welcome to Novel Pairings, a podcast dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. Each episode, we'll discuss one classic book and share some recommendations for more contemporary reads that feature similar themes. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we're sharing superlatives for the books we loved or loathed in 2021. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. What's new? (laughs) Oh, nothing. Not much. (laughs) Same old around here. How about you? (laughs) Yeah, no major life changes. Nothing much to speak of. (laughs) Nothing to report. (laughs) No, everything is different. Yep. Everything. Everything is different are upside down. (laughs) Yes, they are. And still, here we are managing to carve out a little bit of time to talk about books amongst, I mean, it's not like we didn't spend 30 minutes talking about babies before talking about (laughs) books, but still, we're going to talk about books now. (laughs) Yeah, we can't help it. Um, We both welcomed babies in October, like five days apart from each other. And... I have to say, going through the postpartum period with you, Sarah, in addition to, of course, our whole pregnancy, has been such a gift. And I'm just so grateful to have your friendship through all of this and just going through the phases together and being able to vent and talk about anything has been so, so helpful. Well, I completely agree. You're going to make me cry. Oh, don't do that. Again. (laughs) I already cried once on this call, so it has been so, so special, and I am so glad that we're, you know, we're going to be back to doing doing this and that we can be super supportive of each other, both as new moms, but also uh, to, you know, to get to use this part of our brains, too, and it's it's great be back and to be able to get to talk with you a little bit more regularly too. I know I've missed this so much. Same. Yes. All right. Let's get into this recording. So today we're talking the books that we read in 2021. We share this in a superlative format so that we're not necessarily playing favorites. These are just books that fit certain categories chosen by us and by our listeners. And so a lot of these are favorite books, but some of them aren't. Some of them are just books that we would recommend. And so we just want to stress that it's not like we are, you know, it's not like these are all personal favorites, um, but we hope that you'll listen closely to hear which books might suit your taste. And Sarah, we were either pregnant or in the throes of newborn phase for pretty much all of 2021. Yep. (laughs) So with that being said, how would you describe your 2021 reading life? To be honest, I just don't remember much of my 2021 reading life. It's like a fog has descended upon me. And I know I read some great books in 2021. And I'm so grateful that we're recording this episode because I did get to go back and look at the books that I read and and remind myself like, oh, wow, yeah, it was actually a really good reading year. But unlike other years where I've been able to just kind of off the top of my head rattle off some books that have really stayed with me or 
that just stood out and, and apart as favorites from the entire year, I really had to think about this year. So I'd say this this year was like definitely scattered. It was a lot of good books without too many things really rising to the top to be probably forever favorites. But that might mo- be mostly because it's hard for me to remember things <laughs> rather than the quality of books I I encountered. How about you? I 100% relate. <laughs> <laughs> I really had the feeling towards the end of the year that I barely read anything. And then I looked back at my records and I read like 85 books, which is quite a bit. Yeah. And I was like, where did those books come from? <laughs> I don't remember any of them. It was very distracted. I did listen to a lot of audiobooks. Yeah. I will say that was a savior for my reading life in 2021, but very distracted. Understandably so. Um, and so, yeah, going through these was was great. And I think a lot of the books that I'll talk about today I would like to reread so mm. that I can enjoy them more. Yeah. Yeah. I there are a few on here that I want to to reread as well. And I'll also say that a lot of my books on this list and maybe my reading in general was backlist in 2021, which is actually more typical for me. But in 2020 because I was reading for the Aspen Words Prize, I read so many new releases. So I was surprised when I went back and looked and thought, oh, like most of my favorites are backlist. Most of my books read are backlist. But then I realized that actually is a return to to the norm for me this year. So um, yeah, I'm sharing mostly backlist books today. So I hope that's okay with our, our listeners. Easier to get from the library or find at the used bookstore. I think they're going to be thrilled. We get a lot of requests for backlist books. And a lot of what I read was frontlist. So we have a nice variety. I think that was because since I was reading mostly via audiobook, Mm, a lot of my reading came from the Libro FM uh, advanced listening copies. And so Mm -hmm. I was mostly just picking up whatever new books were in there that interested me. And so... Yeah, sometimes it's just those circumstances, like whatever you have available to pick up. You rearranged your bookshelves completely, so you Mm -hmm. found a lot of backlist books that you wanted to read. Sometimes it's just a matter of what's in front of you. It's true. Bookish serendipity. All right, let's get into this. Sarah, this was maybe our most requested superlative, is books that lived up to the hype or a book that did not live up to the hype. So what about something that lived up to the hype? <laughs> okay, you just did scare quotes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think probably because we both are, are like, I don't know, suspicious of the idea of living up to or not living up to the hype because I think that books that get a lot of hype get them for a reason and then they just may or may not be to my taste either. So I, I feel like, whether we're saying live up to the hype or the ones that didn't live up to the hype for us. We're not trying to suggest that these books are definitively (laughs) good or bad, but 
For me, one that lived up to the hype was Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. And I think I was particularly suspicious that this one would live up to the hype because I really didn't like his book Artemis. But I just kept seeing this one everywhere and was in the mood for something a little bit different. Sci-fi is not typically for me. And I thought it was just so fun. I listened to it on audio. I could That worked for me. There are a lot of like beeps and boops and noises. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Because that's how like some of the communication happens. I don't want to spoil anything, but um, that was fine with me. I could see some readers being really annoyed with that in the audiobook because you might just want to skim over it on the on the page or on your e-reader. But I thought it was super fun. It was long-ish, but it flew by for me and it was a total escape. So that's my book that lived up to the hype. How about you? I think that we probably could record a whole episode on hype. Yeah, and what we should. That means. I think that belongs in the Patreon bonus feed for sure, because I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And it's not, I'm sure that I've used that language before. So it's not to say like, oh, people should stop saying, you know, hyped books or overhyped books. It's just to say, I think that a lot of us, particularly in the bookstagram realm, because that's where I see this being used, are setting ourselves up for disappointment. Yeah. And so I think we both just have a lot to say about that. So coming to a bonus feed near you. Um, But something that I find kind of mitigates that possible disappointment is saying where the hype is coming from. Because sometimes books are hyped up by the marketing team. Sometimes books are hyped up by the community of readers that surrounds Mm. them um, or really enjoys that genre. So my book that lived up to the hype was A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. And This received hype from science fiction readers and from some of my coworkers. So Mm. it was hyped up by people that I know. Yeah. Um, Not just like this ethereal hype machine, wherever it comes from, that we all think. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I really liked this. It was like a warm hug of a science fiction novel. It's really reflective and philosophical. And I was definitely drawn to those sorts of books in 2021. And yeah, it's just really endearing. And one of the characters is a tea monk. And there's just something so charming about that. Literally tea, like the tea that you drink. And I loved the creativity behind this. It is the first in what will be a series. I don't know if it's going to be a trilogy, but I think even if you don't like science fiction, A Psalm for the Wild Belt would appeal to a lot of different readers. And it's really short, which was also nice. I liked it on audio. So A Psalm for the Wild Belt by Becky Chambers was one that lived up to it for me. That is on my list. I'm excited to pick that one up. But speaking of the ethereal hype machine, one book that did not live up to the hype for me was Sally Rooney's new book, Beautiful World, Where Are You? And I think this is this is an instance of both. Like there are people who loved this book and I can see why. For sure. Like Sally Rooney's a fantastic writer, and there's a lot to love about this book. But the hype for sure also came from the marketing team. Like that they sent out, you know, to celebrities and bookstagrammers 
copies of the book with like these ridiculous yellow bucket hats <laughs> and there were like murals painted around New York and London and like trucks with the cover art on them. Just so much hype, which is also so interesting because people were going to buy her book anyways. So I don't know why. I, I don't know how those decisions get made. Like why did all of the dollars get put behind her book too? It just didn't work for me. I just found myself not caring about any of the characters and being a little bit annoyed by how, I don't know, inwardly focused it was, not in terms of like an introspective book, but that it just felt like very much about being Sally Rooney. One of the characters very much feels like a stand-in for her. I just wasn't that interested in in that. I know for some readers, what didn't work for them was the long philosophical email exchanges. I didn't even mind that. I just felt found myself like really uninterested in the people. And this book is entirely character driven. And so if you aren't interested in the characters, it's not going to work for you. So that's the one that didn't live up to the hype for me, but I know it worked for a lot of of other readers. So I'm not going to say that it's overhyped. All right. I don't think that these other books, these are kind of mutual, did not live up to expectation books for us. I don't think that they were necessarily overhyped either because I think a lot of people really loved both of these, but we discuss The Plot by Jean Hamp. Correlates. Correlates. Um, extensively in bonus episode 15, two new books we loved and one we didn't on Patreon. And we just really hated that book. (laughs) I hate to use even the word hate, but like we can very easily tear that book apart. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and it was kind of fun to do so. Yeah. (laughs) So it was kind of, and we only finished it because we were hate reading at some point. Yes. Uh (laughs) So mutually we just did not like that one. I don't, you know, level of hype is very subjective, Um, but I do know a lot of people really enjoyed that one, and it was sort of an exciting literary thriller, Um, Mm -hmm. at least that's how it was sort of advertised, and I did not find it exciting or literary in any way. (laughs) Agreed. Um, And then the other one, and I feel like we've discussed this too, and I don't remember where, maybe it was just us that we had this conversation off mic, but neither one of us really liked Malibu Rising that much either. But a lot of people really did. And a lot of people love Taylor Jenkins read. And Mm -hmm. I'm actually kind of indifferent about her other books as well. So Malibu Rising was fine. I liked it on audio, but it didn't blow me away. Yeah. I um, am actually going to be talking about that for a another category as well. So yeah, but I, I feel similarly about Malibu rising. Um, not for me, the plot really not for me. I think it's worth it deciding for our Patreon to, to go listen to that episode. Cause we rarely really tear a book apart on the main feed. So yeah. All right. This was a request we, we got, and I had, I had a little bit of trouble coming up with my answer to this, but Chelsea, what book did you read in 2021 that you think is most likely to become a modern classic? I couldn't pick one. I have two that I want to suggest here. 
I could see my Monticello by Jocelyn Nicole Johnson becoming a modern classic. This short story collection is incredible, and it's one that I would love to reread because I listened to the audiobook, which was amazing, but I also really want to read these stories mm. on paper. And I just think that the stories are really unique. I think the title novella, um, the longer story, My Monticello, could certainly um, be read over and over again in classrooms or book clubs and everything that sort of makes a book a classic. It's highly discussable. And yeah, I really loved that short story collection and I could see it becoming a classic. And then I think that Wintering by Catherine May, this is one of my favorite books that I read in 2021. And I've seen more and more people picking it up lately. And I feel like it's just so perfect for the state of the world right now. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that when a book can really capture its time or meet people where they're at at the right time that sometimes turns it into a classic. And so I could see that being the case for that one. I would love to replace Thoreau and Walden <laughs> Pond with Wintering. I think that they're in conversation with each other in some ways, but I loved Wintering by Catherine May. And it's nonfiction, which most people don't think of as having classic potential, but I like to. So I think Wintering by Catherine May is also a fun option for that. I love that one. And that was a pairing for My Antonia by Willa Cather. So that's another episode where we chat more about wintering. It's so good. I should revisit it. My pick is also nonfiction and also very much of the moment. It is How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. And this is a book about the way we remember the legacy of slavery and race relations in the United States. And he explores this through different museums and monuments across the country and it's just really uh, brilliantly organized and put together. And because of the focus on monuments and how he talks to real people, I, it just brings these issues to to life in a way that I think needs to be represented on the page. And I think I think it could be kind of like how Tanahasi Coates's "Between the World and Me" has kind of worked its way into the classroom. And I think will be for a while. I could see this one um, moving in that direction too. So that's how the word is passed by Clint Smith. Okay, Sarah, I think we're both on record for saying that when we're choosing favorite books or when we're looking at books that stick with us, surprise, the element of surprise is something that we both really appreciate and love, whether that means reading in a different genre or, um, yeah, just a book surprising us in some way or doing something different. So what was the best surprise for you in 2021? Mine was Insurrecto by Gina Apostle. And this was like quite literally a surprise because one of our patrons, Katie Sickus, Katie, if that's not how you pronounce your last name, I am so sorry. I should have asked you before I just dropped your name in this episode. But Katie <laughs> sent me this book because she really wanted me to read it. So it was just such a lovely 
gift and surprise um, showing up at my doorstep. And then the book, I had never heard of it before Katie told me about it. It's like a, it's a work of metafiction um, that takes place on this road trip through the Philippines. And there's a documentary filmmaker and her translator and like multiple narratives and it's really difficult to follow. And then you get to the end and everything kind of clicks, but you want to go back and reread it. It was just, it was so good and powerful and I had never, never heard of it and haven't seen many people pick it up. I thought it was excellent an excellent challenge. And I, it also surprised me that I was up for the challenge <laughs> last year. And it, I enjoyed kind of plugging away and making my way through Insurrecto by Gina Apostle. I loved, you? And, I loved and was surprised by Like a Love Story by Abdi Nazemian. Talked about this book quite a bit because I really, really want more people to pick it up and read it. I talk about it more extensively in our episode on Giovanni's Room, where I paired it. And it's just so good. It surprised me because it's YA, and I just have not been reading much young adult fiction for the last couple of years. And so it was just a good surprise for me to pick something up in that age group. Um, in that section of the bookstore and to love it so much. And oh, it's just so good. I just really want more people to read it. I loved the audio version, but I think on paper it would be just as good. And it's so good. If you like books that make you tear up, like a love story would be a good one to pick up. It takes place in I forget if it's the late 80s or the early 90s. I think it's the 80s because Madonna features prominently. (laughs) And it's about three teenagers and their experiences just figuring themselves out and um, their relationships within the LGBTQ plus community at that time during the AIDS crisis. And it's a really lovely, beautiful book. So that's Like a Love Story by Abdi Nazemian. On the other hand, (laughs) let's talk about our (laughs) biggest disappointments. And maybe this is because kind of of the opposite end of that surprise spectrum. Maybe we were expecting one thing and got something different. I know that's the case for me for this particular book. But Chelsea, what was your biggest disappointment? This was my biggest disappointment, but it doesn't mean that I I really hated this book or that I Mm. was like, dejected. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, it's just that if I'm disappointed by a book, I don't usually finish it. So it's really hard to pick for this category. Mm, so yeah. my biggest disappointment was we're all in this together by Amy Jones. This is a contemporary fiction book that I picked up from a local bookstore in Wisconsin. And it's from a, you know, lesser known publisher. And so I thought like, oh, hidden gem, maybe I'll really like this one. Because that often happens when I pick up books at that bookstore and look for something a little bit more, you know, local. I really liked the first few chapters and was really close to being like, oh, this is the perfect J. Ryan Stradle meets Olympus, Texas book. And I really loved that combo. It felt like very Midwestern, but it also... It was t- took place uh, Minnesota and Canada, and then there was a lot of like messy family sprawling drama. Um, but 
then it just didn't really live up to either of those descriptors. Mm. Um, but it is also hard to say if that's just the, if it was me, because I, like we said, we were very distracted or, you know, don't remember books as well. So this one disappointed me, maybe because I spent money on it in a bookstore and then it didn't become a favorite. But We're All in This Together by Amy Jones might appeal to other readers who like contemporary family drama. What about your disappointment, Sarah? So mine is a modern classic that has been on my TBR forever. And I picked up a copy, I think, at The Strand in New York a couple years ago because they had a copy with a cover that I really loved and then I, it took me several years to actually pick it up. It's The Prime of Miss Jean Brody by Muriel Spark. And Muriel Spark had been an author that I really wanted to read. And I, I would still pick up her other work. I liked her, her writing. And she is really good at characterization. But um, I just, this book was not for me. It's about a, a teacher at an all-girls school. And I was really expecting to just love that setting and, you know, not necessarily be able to see myself in the character, but at least be able to like, you know, connect to that experience. And I just couldn't at all. I really did not like Miss Jean Brody. She was very narcissistic and I think a bad teacher. (laughs) And so I could not really root for her (laughs) or like, I just felt like she was really uh, manipulating these young women. And I couldn't tell if I was supposed to like her or not. And that's always tough for me. I, I mean, I like ambiguity and characters who are complex, but I kind of felt like I was still supposed to be on her side when she was kind of doing these things that I was raising an eyebrow at. And that just felt weird to me. So teacher characters are hard to read about. I think there have been other books that I've put down because I'm like, this is an inappropriate relationship. <laughs> and I, I just can't go there. So yeah, that, that one didn't work for me. What about the most comforting book that you read in 2021 or just a book that helped you through a hard time? Well, since you brought up Becky Chambers, I will just say I did read A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet and I found that to be very, very comforting. It was just like hanging out with a group of wonderful friends over delicious and funny meals for many, many pages. <laughs> and that was very cozy and comforting. But I'd say that the book that comforted me the most and got me through a difficult time being postpartum experience was this book called Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts by Karen Kleiman. And one of my friends sent this to me as a gift early on after Louise was born. And it's like, well, you know, because I sent you a copy then. Yes. <laughs> because I love, I love it so much. But um, for our listeners, it it is almost like a graphic novel uh, advice book or just, um, I mean, it has illustrations and places for you to write things in like a little bit of a journal. And it's, so it's very easy to read and comprehend even in your uh, like postpartum sleep deprived delirium. And it's just super comforting about how like 
all or most moms have these these thoughts or these worries or these anxieties and you're not a bad mom for thinking these things and it's normal to be on Google, you know, 24 hours a day worrying about it and it's normal to if you're bottle feeding your baby think that maybe you should be breastfeeding and if you're breastfeeding to think maybe you're doing that wrong and just just all of the thoughts and fears that come with new motherhood it just addresses and normalizes in a way that once again is like super digestible and helpful because it's not necessarily saying like you know therefore change these thoughts in this manner but just know that everyone is going through who's going through this is feeling similar things even though everyone's path is a little bit different and that was super comforting um i have a similar recommendation oh awesome um it is motherhood related so yeah <laughs> that's that's where we've <laughs> yeah. been at this year um it's kid gloves by lucy nicely and this is also um graphic illustrated book this is a graphic memoir, which is typically her genre. And I love her memoirs and her comics as well. But this one was about her uh, journey to conceive her pregnancy and then her birth experience and a little bit after. Um, But it's centered around mostly her pregnancy and birth experience. And it just brought me a lot more comfort than... It brought me a lot more comfort than scrolling Instagram, certainly, and looking at like birthing accounts or pregnancy Instagram accounts. But it also brought me more comfort and made me feel more prepared than a lot of books did. Mm. I didn't really read very many, mm-hmm. you know, sort of health or self-help books in the like prenatal arena. Um, this one I felt like really connected with what I was feeling emotionally. And then no one expects to have a traumatic childbirth, um, but I did. And so, and so did Lucy. And so reading about hers, um, I think, you know, before I had that experience really helped me to process everything after the fact, um, and just made me feel a little less alone in my experience. So Kid Gloves by Lucy Nicely was one that brought me a lot of comfort. And I think her other graphic novels, I think her illustrations are kind of cozy. Um, I think her other graphic memoirs um, would be comforting as well. All right. Let's do these next two doubled up kind of in rapid fire. Best okay. characters and then best dislikable characters. What are your picks for these two categories? I really like this category. Um, So best characters, I loved The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Disha Filia. So good. This is a short story collection, and Disha just manages to create these fully formed characters in such a short amount of time um, that it blows me away. So I would recommend that one, especially if you like really powerful characters that just are going to stick with you. Um, And then for dislikable characters, I think Olympus, Texas by Stacey Swan had some of the best unlikable characters who are just, you don't want to root for them, but you want to know what happens to them. Mm -hmm. For some of them, you want 
them to get their comeuppance. Because it's based on Greek mythology, it's messy and the characters are messy. And I really, really liked that one. So I would say as far as sort of, you know, characters that you're not necessarily supposed to like, Olympus, Texas by Stacey Swan was great for that. What about your characters? Well, I really like your picks. I wholeheartedly agree with both. I really loved the characters in Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. And not in, they're complicated. They're not just like the most lovable characters necessarily, but they really come alive. And then you, at least I found myself really thinking about them afterwards, almost like they're real people. Like, "Hmm, I wonder what happened to them. I, I wonder where their lives went next. And that's a sign of great character development to me. And then best dislikable characters. One of the books I read with the Fiction Matters book club this past year was The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. And man, she can write a dislikable character. I, I think she was a rather unlikable person. Not not the greatest person, uh, to be honest, as her recently published journals have have revealed. So it makes sense that she can write a really terribly dislikable (laughs) character. But wow, can she? I mean, just I like it was so uncomfortable to be in this sociopath's mind. But she did such a good job of it. It's like the the ickiest feeling, but also like you really knew you were reading something special at the same time. So definitely uh, Ripley and the talented Mr. Ripley. All right. What about a book that made you think about it for weeks or months after? This one's tough because like we said, we forgot a lot. Yeah. But (laughs) that means that these books really made us think or made us reflect or think in some way that stuck with us. So what about a book that kept you thinking? For me, Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. I'm a huge fan of, of his. And I think that not only did the book pose a lot of really interesting questions and I probably would have been thinking about this book for a long time, no matter what, but additionally, because I've read some of his other work and know that he has sort of been exploring those questions in different ways across various novels, I was connecting them to his other work and it just, a lot of things really connected in my mind. And I really loved thinking about Clara and the Sun and Never Let Me Go and even The Remains of the Day and all of his kind of themes of of memory and the stories we tell about ourselves and what makes us human. And I, I, yeah, still thinking about that one and I would love to reread it sometime. So yeah. How about you? Uh, This was a tough category, but I landed on Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. And this book didn't keep me thinking per the content necessarily, Um, more so for its implications in terms of genre, like uh, romance becoming a little bit more mainstream. sort of romance mixing with contemporary fiction and genre mashups. So it was more so just like that that kept me thinking about it. 
And I'm still thinking about it. I feel like this is a book that a lot of people who don't traditionally read romance picked up and loved. And a lot of romance readers were recommending this book to people who don't read romance very often. So it just had me thinking a lot about genre fiction and sort of the future of romance and how people talk about romance and review it. And so I I did love the book just in and of itself, but those sorts of things I'm always fascinated by. I know we both really like to talk about genre, and so it's on my mind often because of this podcast, but <laughs> Seven Days in June by T. Williams definitely left me thinking. How about a book that you thought was very discussion worthy? I thought The Other Black Girl by mm. Zakaya Delilla Harris was a really discussable book, partly for the ending, but also just for the social commentary. The characters do surprising things. I feel like it's a really polarizing book. I've seen people love it or hate it. I think it's a great book club selection. Agreed. Do you listen to Pop Culture Happy Hour ever? Um, every now and then. I think that I might just mostly pay attention to their Twitter feed okay. <laughs> because they often like post good things about their, what they're reading, watching, or listening. So Aisha Harris is Zakaya Delilah Harris's sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. I learned that from an episode of Pop Culture Happy yeah. Hour. Yeah. I always think that's so fun when I find out two people who like I've been consuming their content in different ways are connected to each other. Yes. What about your most discussable? My most discussable book is A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Ozeki, which was another backlist Fiction Matters book club pick. And I am so glad I read this with a group and got to discuss it because it's metafictional. There are so many questions about what's really going on in in the book, but also philosophical questions that it brings up. So there's so much to talk about. I loved hearing people's like theories about what was happening. It's definitely a book that you can can, you know, theorize about, which is fun for for book club, but also that explores really kind of deeper questions and it took us to more interesting um in-depth conversations as well. So I think it'd be a great pick for for any book club or if you are going to read a tale for the time being, pick it up with a buddy so you can chat about it. Sarah, what is a book that you would recommend pretty widely? Maybe you even have recommended to friends, but it just wasn't necessarily for you. So we already touched on on this one and I said I'd be circling back to it. It's Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I have recommended this book to a lot of people. I think it's actually a great book to beat a reading slump or for people who want to get back into reading or are looking for something to read on a plane or at the beach or not because it's like breezy, but because it just, it reads so fast. Like I, I think that the thing that Taylor Jenkins read or her editors are really gifted at is structuring a book in a way that makes you keep turning the pages. And I'd say that's true of her like three most recent, most popular books. 
she does different timelines or different formats. So you are jumping around, you're left at cliffhangers. So then you have to read not just one more chapter, but two more chapters, but then you want to get back to the other timeline. Like it's very cleverly done, keeps you turning the pages. And so I think Malibu Rising is a great pick if you are, like I said, in a reading slump, or I would definitely recommend it for people who want to get back into reading and need something that just they can finish really quickly and and is is a propulsive page turner. Don't throw things at me. Don't (laughs) yell at your phone, everyone. I have a good reason for this. (laughs) Um, Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner was not for me just because it wasn't the right time for me to read it. Mm -hmm. So it is an incredible book. It's so well-written. It is beautiful, but I just could not absorb it properly in the time that I read it. And it just therefore was just not right for me at that time. It's one that I could see myself picking up again someday in the future. Um, But I've been recommending it widely to people because it's a really great book, but just because it didn't, you know, meet me where I was at doesn't mean that other people shouldn't read it and love it. Um, And I can recognize what a gift Michelle's honor has for writing. So Crying in H Mart was one that I have been recommending, but Mm -hmm. it just wasn't for me in 2021. That makes total sense. All right. Final category for today, but we do want to say we're going to be sharing more superlatives for our patrons on our Patreon bonus feed. So if you want to hear us talk about more of our favorites from 2021, head over to the Patreon feed and sign up. Join us in February. You'll get that episode and you'll also get um, some extra extra content about Middlemarch that we're going to be discussing, all of that. So final category for today, best under the radar pick. Chelsea, what was yours? All right. This one is nonfiction and it's a nonfiction genre that I almost never pick up. I think it probably would be shelved in self-help but it doesn't read self-helpy, if that makes sense. It's more philosophy. It is 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. I listened to this on audio and I really need to get my hands on a copy because there's a lot of highlighting that I would like mm. to do. I loved it. This is not about maximizing your productivity. It's not about It's not about managing your time. Um, So the titles may be a little bit misleading. It's more about how we think about time and how that affects the rest of our lives. Basically, his premise is we get maybe 4,000 weeks, if we're lucky, in a life. And if we frame that differently for ourselves instead of breaking our days into chunks or focusing so much on what we got done in X amount of time. If we sort of think more holistically about time, maybe we would be happier. Um, It's full of literary references and philosophy references. And so I, I think a lot of readers would enjoy that, but I just really, really loved it. There's also just a great passage or maybe a couple of passages on reading And he sort of talks about why reading is so hard for people right now. Basically, reading is one thing that you cannot maximize. You cannot necessarily speed up or um, like audiobooks, sure you can, right? 
But if you're sitting down to read a book, it's going to take you the time that it's going to take. Um, And so he just talks about like how we're so distracted and how it feels to like sit down and take time to do something like reading. So I loved it for all of those reasons. And I feel like it's under the radar because it's nonfiction and it's philosophy. And so I don't see it around all that much certainly not like at the front of the bookstore. So that's 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. That sounds great. I feel like we should have ended on on yours because <laughs> it's just like a great thing to like send people off with to, you know, think about how, you know, spending your time listening to podcasts you love or consuming books you love, but not. Mine is just a novel that I really liked. <laughs> Nothing life-changing, but it's Swimming in the Dark by Tomas Zdrowski. And I talked about this one in our um, Giovanni's Room episode as a pairing for, for that. It's about two boys in 1980s Poland who fall in love and then their lives lead them in very different directions. And it's just really beautiful beautifully written, a lovely story about first love, but also politics and the things that divide us. And the writing is, maybe I already said this, did I say the writing's beautiful? It is. (laughs) And I just, it's one of those, like, I can't quite figure out why it didn't sort of take off, even in like the bookstagram world, because it just seems like a, a, perfectly made like darling for for readers but yeah I I thought it was fantastic and I think it maybe came out in 2020 not 2021 but um yeah it's available in paperback now and it's really great so that's swimming in the dark all right well listeners you can hear more on our patreon bonus feed soon and in the meantime, we cannot wait to hear all about your superlatives of 2021. And since we've been gone for a while, we have not been reaching as many new listeners. So a couple of things that you can do to help us out as we return to podcasting. First, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. I think Spotify is even doing reviews now. So wherever you listen to podcasts, see if you can leave us a review. That'll be super helpful. You can also follow us on Instagram at Novel Pairings Pod for news, announcements, book recommendations, seeing what we're currently reading. And tag us, tag at Novel Pairings Pod when you are talking about superlatives or talking about listening to the podcast. We'd love to see where you're listening from. And just keep spreading the word about Novel Pairings. We are so glad to be back talking books with all of you. Thank you to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. We'll be back soon, much sooner than our month-long, more than month-long hiatus with an episode on Middlemarch by George Eliot. Until then, we declare, after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book. Oh, didn't that feel good to say? Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.